Hi everyone, this is Danielle Prada of Sip In Soma. And during this podcast, I interview inspirational people in South Orange and Maplewood, New Jersey, who are connecting, collaborating, and contributing to our communities. The next couple of episodes that you'll be hearing from me are no different. I'm doing some special education episodes where I interview school board candidates in South Orange and Maplewood in hopes to bring you the voter a little bit more information about the candidates and help you make a more informed choice when you're voting. Remember to get out the vote on November 6th. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to chatting you up on Instagram and Facebook. Check me out at Zip in Soma. Thank you. Hi everyone, this is Danielle Parada and today I'm so excited to share with you an interview with Felicia George. She came on the show early in September before she decided to drop out of the school board race in the South Orange Maplewood School District here in New Jersey. But I was able to chat with her before she did made that decision and we had an incredible conversation about the amazing teachers in our district. She really shouted out the way that our district has found to hire amazing art teachers from elementary school on up to CHS. People in the arts that are so devoted to their craft that they're inspiring children across the district at all different age levels. And she also talked about what her life was like at CHS and things that have changed and what her vision is for the school district. And best of all, most of Felicia's stories came directly from her own experience, which is very recent in the district, and also from speaking to other students. And I think this is where we really have fallen down as a district. We have not reached out enough to our students. And I think some of this is because it's not it's not done. I guess it hasn't been done here. Um, you know, I really love teaching in my class. I tried to make it in, in the fifth grade as democratic as possible. You know, giving my students choices about certain things, talking to them about the rules at the beginning of the year, which some people told me was farcical because, of course, I was just going to be relaying rules that already existed, but the students talked about why the rules helped keep keep us engaged as a community together and why they were important to ensure that everyone felt safe and respected from the oldest person in the room to the youngest person in the room, um, regardless of any ability, regardless of how a person looked. You know, it was very important to have these discussions with my students. And it, it weaved itself, our community, the community we built together was based on a lot of respect and was based on a lot of trust on my part. I really learned how to empower fifth graders instead of just tell them what to do. And it's, it's why I believe that fifth graders are some of the greatest minds um, because they're still sort of innocent in certain ways and just idealistic. They're very social justice minded and they really believe they can change the world. 
And I feel that it's a, an important point to start really educating our youth about voting and what it means. I used to do a huge unit the beginning every year, um, even though the, this wasn't so much in the curriculum, but I found it really important to explain to them the Electoral College and to debate about its usefulness today and to talk about whether, you know, it's truly democratic or not. I mean, it's just a fascinating discussion if you've ever um, taken a look at the electoral maps. It's so much fun to to really understand how the voting works and how someone could win the popular vote but lose the electoral vote. It's And since it's happened in our country, there's a lot of cool videos out there. So I would, I would you know, just show my students these incredibly done videos on YouTube and and then stop every, you know, my role was to stop every two to three minutes and say, okay, wait, a lot of new vocabulary over here. What are they talking about? How does this work? And just a really great lesson. The kids were so engaged in understanding the political system from this very math, very heavily math focused um, way. And then we talked about why the Electoral College came about and we talked about the Constitution and wow, what an incredible experience as a teacher to take into consideration the viewpoints of fifth graders who were just kind of stymied as to why, you know, some of our rules existed when they almost feel like the rules of school hold people to a higher standard. Um, so anyway, I think that fifth graders are a great resource. And I think all kids in the district, if you really go in and talk to them, they have opinions that are not just about, oh, Tammy took my crayon and I couldn't color. No, they're, they really think about fairness. They really think about the way they're treated. And they have a lot of opinions about um, their favorite teachers, the teachers that they've had challenges with, um, their favorite lunch aides, the lunch aides that they've had challenges with. So, I mean, look, no one is perfect. This district definitely has a lot of room for growth. I think that talking to Felicia really highlighted for me just more so how much our children really should have a voice in this process and be more sort of understanding of why votes, why a school board member is a big vote in our town and it means something. It's not something small. It's not something to be taken for granted. And uh, I recently had a great conversation with a community member here about, you know, millennials and a recent survey that came out that that was just kind of shocking in terms of the way they think about voting. And I sort of lay a lot of that at our generation's feet. I mean, are the curriculums that we're developing, are we teaching children about their rights to vote and about the meaningfulness of that and I mean, it could start with as small as student government 
student government, guys, if, if you ever look at a student government election in elementary school, it's 100% attended. A fake election in elementary school is 100% attended. My colleagues and I, the first year I was at Tuscan, put a refrigerator box together. The, the, I, all the teachers, Mrs. Sackett, Mrs. Reyes, Mr. Robinson, and, and myself, Danielle Prada, we, the fifth grade team came together. We got a refrigerator box. We taught our kids about the Electoral College. We had them vote. We had them create the ballots. We had them tell us how it had to be done so that it was fair. And you know what? Kids were upset if they were absent. So we were like, okay, maybe we need to develop an absentee ballot situation. Like, what if you do get strep? You know, what would happen? You know, and we, I mean, these kids were on it. They cared about elections. And they were probably more informed than some of their 20-year-old counterparts are today. Because we believed in our fifth grade group that voting was really an important topic to cover and not via a textbook, but via an experience. And so how do we go from this 100% participation in practice voting, rehearsal voting, fake voting. And then we have millennials who are voting one out of four is what I heard for, you know, I mean, it's, a, it's astonishing. We need to do a better job. We need to hold our schools accountable for teaching our children about voting. And if they're not, we all need, and then the secondary thing is, is are we voting every time? Are we informed voters? And you know what? What I love about this community is that, yes, I would like to say, yes, we are. This is the first year for a school board election that I haven't had people coming up to me in the same amount of people saying, hey, who's running? Or who should I vote for? Who You know, people ask me who I'm voting for and... They, but they don't ask me who I should vote for. But there's a difference, you know? People are getting more informed and that makes me so excited because that means that we're modeling for our kids that voting is important. And it took us a very not nice moment in our country to make this a reality, but like we have to keep this momentum up. There are people running for different seats on different boards on you know in different elections so much more than I ever saw the engagement is so much more than I ever saw as a young person you know um so get out the vote everybody I put another primer up if you if you may on um on the social media just saying if you have this amount of time do this if you have this amount of time do this um, check out my interview with Felicia. It really was a great moment for me. And there are some events coming up in the weekend that I will talk to you about after you hear 
Rachel and I chatting. Thank you again for tuning in and subscribing and let me know what you think about our interview and what you think about the school board election. Here we go. Hi everyone, welcome to Sip and Soma. I'm so excited to be here. Hello, I'm here with Felicia George, Yay. the first school board candidate who agreed to have an interview with me. Thanks. I have another couple of people that are gonna come on and hopefully, love to get the whole roster but um i'm gonna be looking over here with the camera a little bit and i'm gonna be looking at felicia because we're not gonna have a conversation talking to you <laughs> but um i'm really excited to have you on today i'm really yes. excited to talk about just the issues in our district yeah to get people to know who you are and to talk about why you're running and all that good stuff so i approached every school board candidate with an email and i said come on the show i'd love to have you talk to the people, the SOMA people, and tell them all about yourselves. And I have four questions I'm gonna ask every candidate so it's fair. And I also said that I would be giving every candidate up to 45 minutes. So we have up to 45 minutes, but you know you can use whatever time you want, as much or as little. And um, and then you can access this when people can access it whenever they want. Right. They could share it with other people because Amazing. that's the cool thing about technology. And um, let's get started. Looking forward to it. All right. So first, I didn't put this as a question, but mm -hmm. just tell us a little bit about yourself. So my name is Felicia George, and I'm a 2012 graduate from Columbia High School. I was raised in Maplewood. Um, I was raised on the border of Maplewood and South Orange. So the beginning of my block, the first house is South Orange, and then my house is like the third, and we're Maplewood. Oh. So it's like weird. So I did go to South Orange Middle School. I went to Clinton. I'm on the same block as Clinton, so I went to Clinton. But I was like raised in both places. So I got, you know, life in South Orange and life in Maplewood. Really? Some people say it's not fair. I think it's pretty fair. <laughs> so it was absolutely amazing for me. So I had amazing memories you know from both places and I feel so rooted in our town which is also why I'm running because I feel like this place has made me who I am and I think it's important to show the youth that like we can use what has been made of us here and we can do whatever we want with it and that's so awesome. my choice is to do this yeah I'm excited about it so that's pretty that's pretty awesome. I'm like, I have lots of questions about that. But the first question that I had on my roster, which is what do you think are the biggest strengths and biggest challenges in our district presently? Right. So the biggest strengths. So for these questions, I actually just asked students because I personally feel like, although my opinion matters, because I'm not in the district, I'm not a student, I'm not a teacher, I'm not an administrator, I don't know through experience of right now, what is best. And it's important that we give the people who do know what's going on, and that's great, the chance to say it. So from what I heard from them, the best thing that the district does is they channel creativity. So we have amazing art classes, we have you know the plays, which are like Broadway level, our students are just absolutely amazing. We have you know TV production, we have photo classes, and they really, you know, uh, all of the art department is just amazing and I think that that is where they really hire teachers based upon purpose what their purpose is every art teacher that I've ever had has always been like extremely involved in what they do and you can tell and it makes you then love what you love about yourself and like when I took acting class it showed me like I think I want to be an actress like I think I'm a performer of some type yeah and this teacher has helped me bring that out of myself which then 
you know, led me to be a better student and everything else because I found what I believed in because someone who was teaching me believed in themselves in that way. And so, you know, I'm noticing that that's a big thing in our district. You know, we have Lauren Hill, we have Solana, also known as SZA, we have Rotimi, who's on power. We have, you know, like so many, Zach Praff. Yeah. We have so many people who are just like extremely artistic. And I think it's because our district does a great job of hiring people in the art department. It's just, it's amazing. And I think maybe if we had that in the sense of everything, you know, like academically as well, then it would push us to be even more academically better. So that sounds like um, maybe a question that we should put on our interviews. Like, yeah. it's like, what's your purpose or what do you love about right. the subject that you teach versus just what do you like about teaching? Because if it's you're teaching important. math, what do you love about math? Right. It's important. And I feel like when you, as a student, when you feel like the person that is teaching you loves what they're teaching, it makes you listen. Regardless of what, it can be anything whatsoever. I fell in love with crafts and I didn't, I wasn't good at art. But because my crafts teacher was so like in love with art, it makes you like listen and like, you know, I'm gonna try to do great on this project. I'm not good at drawing, but I'm gonna do my best because Ms. Schwartz is amazing and she does her best in everything she does. So why not match her energy? So who was that teacher that you're showing? Ms. Schwartz. I don't know if she's still there, but she was amazing. That's awesome. She would let me come there my lunch period and just draw with her. She was like, Felicia, you have it in you. You have it. I'm like, I don't. She's like, (laughs) you do. We're going to get it. And she, like, really worked with me. And I just went because it was fun and because, you know, she was very hands-on with me. And it was like, it felt great to be, like, accepted in a space and it be creative but also teach you something. Cool. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about the strengths. Um, Are there any other strengths or you want to go to challenges? We can go straight to challenges because that's what all the students told me. They were all like, we're just extremely creative. And I love it. But um, the challenges that we talked about was creating equality within all of the schools. Mm -hmm. And um, they talked about how there's different language that are used in different classes and how some students are, you know, talked up. They're talked up. It's like, you know, you're gonna do great. You're gonna do amazing. And some students is like, you should probably not do that. You should probably go a level down or you should probably try to take that class again. And it's like the difference in language can really, you know, force students to go different ways. But if everyone was just talked to in a manner of you can do it, regardless of, you know, if you're bad at something, it's like you can get better at it. Let's try to put you in this. Let's try to put you in that to, you know, make sure that you have everything that you need to succeed instead of taking things away from students because they feel that it's not going to help or they feel that they're not going to get better. So we talked about culture and climate and making sure that, you know, all teachers, all administration are just very inclusive in what they say, how we teach, you know, how we support our students, making sure our students have somewhere to go to even get support because all there is is the guidance department. And if one guidance counselor has hundreds of students, it's like it gets hard to help all of them. So we need a place where students can go to just, you know, let things off or to be able to vocalize how they feel because cool you know if they don't it's almost like you get you get lost in it so if we so what are your thoughts about that so like if one guidance counselor has hundreds of kids then where would kids go so when i was in columbia we had something called the loft from my knowledge the loft is still there but it's not the same 
So for me, I could go to the loft whenever I needed to. And I could go get homework help. I could go, you know, if I didn't have money for lunch, the loft always had food. And it was just some place that we could go to, like, get away from the school because it's, it's towards the cafeteria. So it's, like, kind of not a part of where the classrooms are. And I think that's also a big part of it. Because mentally, you know, when you walk to the loft, you know, it's like, I'm not leaving school, but I'm leaving school. You know, like, I'm not leaving school, but I'm leaving where the classes are. I'm leaving where the stress is, and I'm going to, like, do something that I feel good about. And I think we need a space that students can feel good about with people who will listen to them, who are not teachers, who are not administrators, who are just, you know, people that are there. So who ran the loft? I believe it was alumni when I was there, but okay. like alumni that graduated years and years before. But oh, okay. I think they were alumni. Okay. And then some people I think just lived in the district and they were working there. Oh, okay. But it was just, it felt like community. That's what it felt like. It felt like a community somewhere that students could go, and it's just like, it almost didn't feel like we were in school. Well, it sounds awesome. And we could go there and do our homework yeah. and get help with our homework. People would help us study. It was just like a great space. And then we'd listen to music. We'd eat, you know, pizza or salad or whatever. It was just always fun. That it sounds was always great. fun. All right. So did you have any other challenges you wanted to share? I feel like I want to go to the loft. I feel like... I'm sorry. I want to go back to the loft. I mean, just... We had movie days. Like, when I tell you, it was amazing. It was amazing. But everything was also educational. You know, it was like, you could come here, you could have fun, but also, did you do your homework yet? Well, let's do it now. Let's do it together. We can hash it out in 30 minutes, and then you could go back to playing ping pong. Like, you know, it had, like, the pool table, the ping pong table, the TV. Like, it had everything you could ever imagine. That's amazing. Yeah. And who who hung out there? Like just so like, say I was, I I feel like I went to a school at one point that had something like that, mm -hmm. and and it just felt like I always had a place to go, and yeah. it was just that the class in our in our school it was just that the classrooms were very open. Yeah. So if you wanted to hang out in the band room, you could go to the band room, or if you right. wanted to hang out in the, you know, in the art room, you could go to the art room. Wherever our teachers were just, I'll be your hangout spot. Right. It, it actually. It wasn't, and it, you know, I had a great history. This was back in middle school. I had a great history teacher. His room was also open, mm -hmm. so I really feel like that was just the culture and climate of the school that I went to. Right. But this sounds like one central place. So I think w with Columbia, because of security guards, there's like none of that. There's no like hang out in this classroom, go yeah. to the band room. It's like go to where you're supposed to be. If you're not supposed to be in here, you need to go to where you're supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. So it's like the loft was the one space that was. You know, it was like, oh, like, be, be in here when you need to be in here. If you need to be in class, be in class. Right. But if, you know, you are allowed to be in there at that period, you could be in there. Right. So, um, but I think it also, having something like that there also helped with academics. And that's a big reason why I think we have an achievement gap, which is another, you know, challenge that we have is getting past this achievement gap. And I believe it's because that, there's no one young helping make decisions. There's no there's no creativity within how students are being taught. There's no, you know, common ground. And that's why the gap keeps keeps getting bigger and bigger and the data keeps becoming a bigger and bigger problem because we're making the same decisions. And it's the same age group. It's you know, it's it's not inclusive of everyone that's in this town. And then we wonder why everyone in this town is not doing well. It's because everyone in this it's not you know inclusive of everyone the decisions we're making are not inclusive and we need more 
people in places of power that can help make better decisions for everyone and be able to just listen because I do feel like it's not always up to us it's not always our opinion that matters it's the opinion of the people who are there and if we're all sitting at a table and we're like well I think this is best well no I think this is best it's like how can we know what's best if we're not living in it if we're not going to class every day if we're not you know walking into Clinton elementary school how do we know what's best for elementary school students right you know, if we if it's because, you know, you have a child in the district, well, you might know what's best for your child, but you don't know what's best for all right. children unless we listen to the community, unless we listen to parents, unless we listen to teachers, and then we say, okay, well, I see my situation might be great, but it's not great for everyone else, and we need to figure out how to fix that. Because if what I'm living is great, then that's figured out already. Yeah. That's already figured out. So how do we help everyone get to that level where it's all figured out and that's what we're not doing we keep making the same decisions that you know keep everything that's great great everything that's always been great has always been great everything that's bad has always been bad so it's like we have to our focus clearly has to shift yeah and we need new people to create a shift because we need new minds we need we need new people with you know experience in change yeah so talking about that, what there's a lot of new student groups that have come up. I love it. Yeah. I absolutely so love it. Have you talked to any of the student groups? Because you're saying you're talking to students. I'm wondering yeah. if you're speaking with so, the groups as well. Um, <clears throat> there's Black Student Union. There's Mapso Feminism. There's CHS Power Club. And, you know, they're all so, ind- which is another thing that they said they loved, is that they can be independent within the school so they can have groups like MAPSO Feminism, they can have groups like Black Student Union who can put on, you know, um, assemblies during Black History Month and, you know, educate each other. They're so good at educating one another and I feel like we can learn from it and that's what that's what we don't do. We don't allow them to teach us, it's always us teaching them instead of them teaching us something. You know, you just made me realize something I was at a progressive school in New York, Mm -hmm. and every month, each class presented to the whole school. This is an elementary school, so we didn't have assemblies. Right. We, our assembly program was that each classroom got up and did some sort of educational piece for the whole entire school. Right. And now, I'm just realizing, you know, as a teacher, it was so, it was so much fun for me. Right. And my kids my kids wrote it's a hard knock life. They rewrote <laughs> it to be about the American Revolution. Yeah, I love and it. And then like presented the American Revolution version right. of right. it's a hard knock life. Yes, I love it. And it was like then kids were learning about the American Revolution, but like right. from a totally and and you know it was visual, it mm-hmm. was auditory, right. it was interactive. You right. know, and it was just. Kids, like, kindergarten through fifth grade was watching, you know, even pre-K. We had pre-K in that school. So pre-K through fifth grade was watching my fifth grade class present their, you know, version of what it was in the American Revolution, you know? And, yeah, we used to have um, a Martin Luther King celebration Mm -hmm. and where every class in the school did... Like, it was like living the dream. Yeah. So, what's the modern, how are you living the dream today? Yeah. So, like, they, some of them did historical things, but what I did with my students was about um, Darfur. Mm-hmm. 
So at the time, I have fifth grade students, and they learned about Darfur, and they Amazing. learned about, and then later that year they went to a protest and they they wrote speeches. Wow. And you know, like, <laughs> like wow. it just like doesn't. I'm like, that isn't that normal? But then yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, like I guess, I guess it's not, you it's know. Not. And I and, and I feel like that's what you're about talking it. about. It's, yeah. it's like we need to include them in their learning process. You know, it's like my teachers, when I was in South Orange Middle, they used to let me do music videos instead of submit, like, a written paper. What? Yeah. That's awesome. So I, me and my friends were, like, creating full-on music videos, full-on productions. I mean, like, writing the lyrics. We made a song about invertebrates. Okay? <laughs> a rap song about invertebrates, and it was absolutely amazing, and we put so much work into it. Yeah. But at the same, I still know the song. You know, I, I still know everything about it, and that's what learning is when you know when you allow students to when you teach them the way that they learn. Yeah, and you or allow them, them to be themselves. Yes, or let them express right from the way they learn. And then when you tap into it, like okay, she's good at this, so I'm gonna make sure that the way I teach her is in that way because she's yeah. going to you know take it in and it'll right. go with her form. Like I still remember all the songs that I made in school, and it's ridiculous. I was like twelve. Awesome. Yeah, but you probably know more about invertebrates. I do. I do. I do. <laughs> like I really I don't remember do. because I had to like fill out a worksheet and label things, and that yeah. was not the way I learned. Yeah. The way I would have learned was like becoming an invertebrate. Right. Like, you know, like let me act out what right. it feels like to right. be this animal, right? right? And so, like that would have been very much very meaningful to me. In fact, most of the things I remember, I learned Julius Caesar. <laughs> When I was in fifth grade, so I learned about like Roman history yeah. in fifth grade by acting out this play. See, and that is what we need. That's what I remember. That's how I know Roman history is by acting out Julius Caesar yeah. in Brooklyn yeah. in fifth grade. And so, yeah, I mean, and that's then that's, a, that's another big thing is that we only teach creatively at a young level, and then it stops. And then it becomes books, 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 study, homework, study, homework, come to class, go home. It just becomes like this pattern of like, you kind of like lose. And what do you think, what do you, what, so, so the second question, just to let you know, Felicia's answering the second question. <laughs> she just um, did it, you combined the first two questions yeah. because you basically said, well, my point of view is one thing, but really that's a solitary point of view. Yeah. The collective's point of view is what matters, right? right? So my second question was, what are your constituents excited about and concerned about in the school district? Which is repetition of the first question yeah. from a different point of view. So you've yeah. answered one and two. Um, and so what do you think like that does? So the focus now on books and academics and homework and projects and like do, 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 produce, yeah. produce, produce. What do you think that does um, for good and for bad for our kids? In a good way, it helps us to become more independent, to structure our lives in a way like, okay, I have to wake up at 7 if I know I have to walk to school. It's a 20-minute walk. I have a first-period class. This is what I need to do to get there. This is what I need to do to do it. I mean, even in middle school, I was walking to school. So that was still something that, you know, I had to learn how to do time management. Right. And I think that is something great. Like, I think it's great that we do, you know, live somewhere where we have to structure everything in a way that we can get to class like okay we have four minute break in between each class i need to make sure i say hi to her and then leave i need to make sure i see my friends and then go you yeah. know like i have to i have to structure myself appropriately and i think that's good but i also think 
it it's a jump I think you go from being so you know like creative and everything's about colors and you learn through songs and you know all these things and then you go into middle school and it's like oh there are like periods there are like different classes I have to like walk there to be there on time no one taught me how to do this I don't know how this is done I went from sitting in one class to all day to like now having to go from class to class to class and that can be a lot for some students it's a it's a completely different lifestyle and it's like I don't think we do a great job at preparing students for the jumps that they take so like students from Maplewood and South Orange Middle, you know, you go from not being around so many students to then going to high school where everyone's together and you're like, this place is huge. It's a castle. I don't know where to go. I don't know how to get to class. I don't know what these hallways look like. Yeah. This is a lot to handle. Nothing's creative. Like, how am I, like, you know, it's just a big jump and we're not preparing students for the jump. So then when you're not prepared, you adjust in a certain way. And some students, you know, adjust well, and they understand, and they get it, and then there are students who just don't, and they don't get checked in on. They don't, you know, get help to adjust appropriately, and then you get comfortable in not being adjusted. Yeah. And that's that's an issue. I believe that that's a big issue. It's like, how can we prepare them more? You know, how, how can we bring fifth graders into the middle school way ahead of time? Like, this is what you're gonna have to do. Here's a day at Maplewood Middle do that a few times a year so by the time they get there they're comfortable with it and it's not something that they have to get used to so quickly and it's also like we expect them to they're expected to get used to it Mm -hmm. how can we expect someone to get used to something they've never done before yeah and it's like okay well you weren't on time to class so now you get a zero you know it's so interesting you say that because I tutor math students in sixth grade yeah it's one of my primary places I tutor Um, and seventh grade who make the jump from fifth grade to seventh grade. And one of the things that I hear from parents a lot um, and guardians and family members and kids is it took me, oh, it just took me a couple weeks to adjust. Well, it took a couple of months there, but then I got it. And then some kids, like, it took about half a year. And then other kids say my first year was horrible. Right. But by seventh grade, I was good. You know, so, like, that is a big spectrum of Huge. how long it takes for a child Huge. to adapt to this brand new environment. Right. And I think that's really telling that you're that you're expressing that out because I never heard it put that succinctly. I mean I, I just heard it and now yeah. it's like all crystallizing for me yeah. as to like what that really looks like. It's a huge jump and it's it's very like mentally tasking. And I don't think we realize that. We just expect students to get it. It's like, okay, you're going from elementary school to middle school. You should get it. Here's one day at Maplewood Middle. And I'm just thinking about, like you're saying, it's this task list. Like, first I have to do this, then I have to do this, then I have to do this, then I have to do this. So they're focused on some of that. Right. Then there's also social-emotional stuff. Because now you're in the hallways at lockers, which you never got the chance to really talk in between in fifth grade, you didn't talk in between transitions. It's like, yeah, I remember saying to my students for half of the year, guys, we have a two-minute transition. Mm-hmm. We're going to go back to your desks quietly, yeah. get your things, come back it to the rug. It's so different and, when you get to middle school. Right. It's like and, noise in the hallways, right. everyone screaming, talking, dancing, yelling. There's music, you know, and then it's like you go from having a cubby to having a locker. Yeah. 
you know, that's a big job too. And then you have to remember your code. It's like there's a lot that comes into it that we just don't acknowledge, and we expect everyone to just get it. Yeah, and it takes some kids a A lot lot longer longer than others. A lot longer. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that we. I think as adults, we need to adjust our expectations. Yeah, that's and, what it is. And be more compassionate that's toward those is. students. So that brings me to the next question, which yes. is, why are you running, Felicia? <laughs> I am running because I had a very, um, I don't even know what the word for it is. I had a very different path when it came to growing up here. You know, I was always very vocal. I was always very, like, funny. I was always very, you know charismatic I was just I was always life you know I was just always living out loud being free doing what I wanted to do but academically it wasn't matching up so I was in all level two classes and you know I was just talking to a friend of mine about the people that we went to school with that were also in level two classes and what they're doing now compared to level four students and what they're doing now and honors class students and what they're doing now we were just like it's not it's, it's very different. It's two completely different lifestyles, two completely different environments, and it's because of how we got comfortable to adjustment, you know? And I was able to overcome what happened. I was able to overcome it. I was able to find myself. I was able to realize how I'm supposed to learn and what works for me. And I was able to teach myself, and I was able to do all of those things, and I feel like all I can do with all of that information now is give it back. Yeah. All I can do is give it back. I was, you know, a class clown. I skipped a lot of classes. I, you know, I that I was that student. And here I am today, and I'm running for office. And I'm so, you know, in tune with everything that's going on. I'm so here and ready to help students, like, realize what's important. Because when you do get comfortable to certain adjustments, it's like certain things don't matter. Learning didn't matter to me when I was younger at all and I didn't realize why I thought it was normal because it was all of my friends were like that we were all very okay with not learning anything and once you get out of there and you get into the real world and you realize like oh my god I why was I like that or like how could I have been comfortable with that how could that have been the way we were taught in the way that you know we learned how could that how could that be okay and now saying it's because I also got comfortable with it, even though I was too young to realize, but no one was helping me to realize. And I wanna help students realize like it is important and you deserve to learn and you deserve to learn the right way. You deserve to be influenced and impacted in your life. Everyone deserves it. And our town is so capable of doing it. We live in an amazing space. Extremely diverse, extremely amazing. We're great with community outreach. We're great with including all different races when it comes to, you know, community things. We're so good at it. It's like we have to put that into the school district as well. It needs to be a community and we need to like help one another. And so I feel like that's what I can do. I can help students see that their viewpoint is important because I feel like where we are in town right now is that only parents' thoughts matter only you know like older people's like residents only their thoughts matter we're not including kids at the board of ed meetings they don't know what's going on so what do you think is a solution to that i mean how would you involve students in board of ed decision making you know uh 
issues, how would you how would you do that? I think the first issue is, and the first way of fixing it is have someone on the board that they can relate to. Have someone there where they feel like, okay, well, if they're gonna be there, they're kind of young. It might be something I should go to, you know? It might be something I can be interested in. But if there's no one there that appeals to them, they're never going to come because they're like, for what? For me and my four friends to be the only young people in the room, like, no one wants to be in that kind of situation. But if there are young people involved in the process already, if we vote younger people onto the table, that's when other young people will say, okay, let me go support them. Let me go be there for them. Let me go, you know, my voice might matter now, so let me go in that room and say how I feel and be a part of the process. Mm -hmm. I also feel like students should be surveyed. Like they should, we should hear from them. Or if there's just a day where the board meeting is just them talking and us asking them questions and us figuring out you know what's going well what's not going well if we never hear from them how are we how do we continue to make decisions yeah how where where are we getting our information from you know they're not coming from a real place if we're not including the people we're trying to help in the process of fixing it yeah. you know it's like where are we getting this from where how do we know this situation will help right. how do we know this solution will help right. if they don't tell us well maybe if we do this it'll help yeah how how are we just coming up with things? It, it, they're our own thoughts, our own opinions. We're putting ourselves into a mix that we don't even have to live in. Right. So now we're making a decision that has nothing to do with our lives. And it's just affecting others. Right. That we're not including in the process whatsoever. Yeah. I, you know, that that's really, I, I, you know, and it's so funny because, you know, I got two decades on you. Yeah. And it, for all of the ideas that I've, thought I've come up with that were great in terms of including students like right. the way you put it was just that much better but that's right. because you're closer to their age right. than I am you and know? I can't even make decisions for them you know I don't go to Columbia I don't go to South Orange or Maplewood Middle I'm right. not at the elementary schools I don't know for sure what will help but they do yeah yeah I mean they do give I mean if there's anything that as an educator I really liked was giving power to the students so that brings me to the last question, which is where can people reach you to talk to you? People and we're, we're at about 30 minutes. This is good. This is amazing. We did great. We did. Flat oh my gosh. Gosh, we, we could talk for hours, people. We can, talk you for know? Days. <laughs> we can go for a week. We could go for a week. Yeah. yeah. Uh, people can reach me at my email, which is georgefelicia at yahoo.com. It's G E O R G E F E L I S H A at yahoo.com. I'm also extremely ex responsive on Facebook, which is also Felicia George. I have a few accounts, you know, <laughs> anything with a younger picture of me, just don't even look at it. Um, but Felicia so it's George Felicia on George on Facebook. Yes. And then what about on Instagram? On Instagram, it's also Felicia George, but it's Felicia George underscore. But what and don't I you... also have oh, yeah. um, a campaign page, which is vote. Let me just check. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to give the wrong name. But that's the thing is that when you have businesses and and you're running for board and you have your personal page, then you wind up being like, which one did I right. name it? Okay, so the board of education page is vote Philly for B O E. So it's V O T E F E L I F. O-R-B-O-E. All right. Right there. All right. So, and what...
kinds of things are you looking forward to hearing from people or what do you welcome people to share with you? I am extremely excited just to hear people's views about how we can make things more inclusive and how you know we can close the achievement gap how we can get students more involved in the process because I feel like that is the problem that is the problem at a whole that there are no students involved in the process of making change so what their ideas are for making that happen how can we integrate how can we become less segregated like I'd love to hear everyone's ideas because I feel like all ideas are welcomed I feel like no ideas are bad ideas it just takes everyone putting together a piece of the big puzzle it takes teamwork awesome so reach out to me guys I'm here yeah and we are out see ya well, thank you so much for listening to my interview with Felicia. It was such a treat to chat with her. And I loved getting so much more in-depth um, of a perspective about her own experience being a student in our district and about all of the conversations that she has had with students and thankfully is continuing to have, even though she is not going to be um, running I have to tell you, between you and I, I wonder if she'll get some votes anyway because she's still on the ballot. Um, but make sure that when you're going to that ballot and you're thinking about who you're going to vote for, that you remember the key things that a school board member should really have. And that is, you know, thinking about the vision and the goals for our schools and our students in those schools and meeting the needs of all the students in the schools. Um, and then thinking about hiring a superintendent, but more managing a superintendent because a lot of the hiring process will be done already. Um, I think that's a really incredibly important job is to make sure the superintendent is, you know, working toward those visions and goals as well. And lastly, you know, someone who knows policy and I know that sounds like very unglamorous and very unexciting, but the policy is what makes the school board, like the schools run. You know, you have to have policy, you have to have regulations, you have to be meeting the standards that the state sets and you have to know what those are. And that's not always what I think people understand about becoming a board member. Um, that knowing that policy and how to craft it and how to read it and, and then ensure that it's getting enforced is really an important aspect. So just think about who you're voting for. You have another chance to get to know the candidates in a candidate experience this weekend at um, Bethel on... Sunday, so Congregation Bethel, Sunday, November 4th, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, that's 222 Irvington Avenue in South Orange. And this Pairs Group um, and Soma Action are having a BOE candidate forum. It's very cool. I went last year. You get to sit with the candidates and talk to them. And it's, it's great. It's like going to a coffee, but all the candidates are in one place and you do this round robin. Super, super awesome. I'm so glad that Pairs and Soma Action BOE are doing this again. Um, so definitely attend and, and check that out. Um, uh, there is also 
this weekend, an awesome event hosted by Mend New Jersey and um, the Pollock Properties Group of Keller Williams. So there's going to be a Stuff the Bean, the Bean event, which is, if you listen to my interview with um, Robin Peacock from Mend New Jersey, there is a wonderful big green school bus that parks all over the place in our towns and other towns. And you get the chance to donate food to pantries that are, you know, in our Essex County area, 17 pantries. So from Sunday, November 4th, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m., 152 Prospect Street, South Orange, you can go and donate food. Check it out. It's online right now. Um, and and just, there just so happens to be a beautiful open house at 152 Prospect Street. So if you know anybody who wants to live in Maplewood or South Orange, or somebody who wants to move around in our own community, send them over. They'll be able to do something altruistic and see a gorgeous house. I just love the way our um, entrepreneurs come up with these brilliant ways to partner with nonprofits. And I love that everybody is just, just getting something beautiful out of it. So there's that event. And then I found this cool event. I don't know if you guys saw it on Facebook. In Maplewood Village, they're having Plaza Night on November 8th. How cool is that? It's at the parking lot between the Claris Building and Village Coffee. Gather your friends and family. Join us for a first-time event. Come take out dinner. Buy a bottle of wine. Head to the Plaza. 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. on Thursday, just November 8th. Ooh. Don't want to skip into December. Sorry, November 8th, Thursday, 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. I think that sounds phenomenal. And then finally, next week, I'm definitely going to shout this out a week early, South Next 18. Well, thank you so much for listening to my interview with Felicia. It was such a treat to chat with her. And I loved getting so much more in-depth. Um, of a perspective about her own experience being a student in our district and about all of the conversations that she has had with students and thankfully is continuing to have even though she is not going to be um, running. I have to tell you between you and I, I wonder if she'll get some votes anyway because she's still on the ballot. Um, but make sure that when you're going to that ballot and you're thinking about who you're going to vote for, that you remember the key things that a school board member should really have. And that is, you know, thinking about the vision and the goals for our schools and our students in those schools and meeting the needs of all the students in the schools. Um, and then thinking about hiring a superintendent but more managing a superintendent because a lot of the hiring process will be done already. Um, I think that's a really incredibly important job is to make sure the superintendent is, you know, working toward those visions and goals as well. And lastly, you know, someone who knows policy. And I know that sounds like very unglamorous and very unexciting, but the policy is what makes the school board like the schools run you know you have to have policy you have to have regulations you have to be meeting the standards that the state sets and you have to know what those are 
and that's not always what I think people understand about becoming a board member um that knowing that policy and how to craft it and how to read it and and then ensure that it's getting enforced is really an important aspect so just think about who you're voting for you have another chance to get to know the candidates in a candidate experience this weekend at um, Bethel on Sunday. So Congregation Bethel, Sunday, November 4th, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, that's 222 Irvington Avenue in South Orange. And this Pairs Group um, and Soma Action are having a BOE candidate forum. It's very cool, I went last year you get to sit with the candidates and talk to them and it's it's great it's like going to a coffee but all the candidates are in one place and you do this round robin super super awesome i'm so glad that pairs and soma action boe are doing this again um so definitely attend and, and check that out um uh there is also this weekend an awesome event hosted by Mend New Jersey and um, the Pollock Properties Group of Keller Williams. So there's gonna be a Stuff the Bean, the Bean event, which is, if you listen to my interview with um, Robin Peacock from Mend New Jersey, there is a wonderful big green school bus that parks all over the place in our towns and other towns. And you get the chance to donate food to pantries that are, you know, in our Essex County area, 17 pantries. So from Sunday, November 4th, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m., 152 Prospect Street, South Orange, you can go and donate food. Check it out. It's online right now. Um, and and just, there just so happens to be a beautiful open house at 152 Prospect Street. So if you know anybody who wants to live in Maplewood or South Orange, or somebody who wants to move around in our own community, send them over. They'll be able to do something altruistic and see a gorgeous house. I just love the way our um, entrepreneurs come up with these brilliant ways to partner with nonprofits. And I love that everybody is just, just getting something beautiful out of it. So there's that event. And then I found this cool event. I don't know if you guys saw it on Facebook. In Maplewood Village, they're having Plaza Night on November 8th. How cool is that? It's at the parking lot between the Claris Building and Village Coffee. Gather your friends and family. Join us for a first-time event. Come take out dinner. Buy a bottle of wine. Head to the Plaza. 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. on Thursday, just November 8th. Ooh. Don't want to skip into December. Sorry, November 8th, Thursday, 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. I think that sounds phenomenal. And then finally, next week, I'm definitely going to shout this out, a week early, South Next 18. 